Thank you very much for the help that you've given us to keep this uh, situation, this monastery, this teaching, this teacher, and this community continuing. And please continue to help us if you can. This evening's talk title is Open Discipline. Could also be called Situational Discipline. Could be uh, Mutual Discipline. The idea with discipline is some kind of a structure or form, some, some way of working with whatever it is that you're dealing with, where you can have, there can be some kind of shape to it so that you just don't turn into a, a giant jelly roll of falling in every which direction. And this is a uh, maybe situational in some uh, some uh, situations. Uh, it might be better to, to, even though there's a strong form that you are about to walk into, it may be better in that situation to look at what that is and move in another direction other than conform to what has been laid out either by you and your uh, practice or by if you're living in a monastery or in a temple or in a um, a location where their forms are already already set in place. So it's it's uh, because it is so situational and is so different with each person. It's it's hard to determine how should how you should come up with a standard. So how you should relate to that. The standard is the discipline. The standard is the structure. And if you if you've ever been to this monastery, you'll see that the, the structure is very definite. It's not moving around. It's definite. What moves around is your mind stream and your activity. So if someone is here, they uh, they agree. You're not forced. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. You can live wherever you want uh, so far in this country. And I do emphasize the so far part. <clears throat> but once you do decide to conform to a particular way of conducting your life and your your discipline as a meditator, possibly even as a monk, or at least a very serious person who takes this awareness practice seriously, not just a, a weekend uh, warrior, so to speak. Sometimes it's talked about that way. This doesn't this does not do away with or push aside and make irrelevant someone who just practices a, a mindfulness practice that is just a few hours a week. That's totally appropriate. It's up to you. This is another way in which it's situational. You need to determine what you want to do, not just uh, buy into somebody's promises. You won't get promises from this person. You will get encouragement if you need it, if you ask for it, if you put yourself in a position where you <laughs> can be encouraged. So. But having been uh, around a while and having practiced this for pretty close to 50 years, different forms, and also having two different traditions, the Zen tradition, the Tibetan tradition, and not to leave out the Shambhala approach to training the mind also, and also the, the cultural situation that we are endeavoring to create build, establish uh, a way of practicing the Buddhist, te Buddhist 
teaching the teaching of the Buddha coming out of different cultures, different directions, and then coming together in this situation where we are, where there's no, there's no, uh, there's no tradition or history here of Buddhism being here other than the last hundred years or so. Of course, if you go to that, but that's not very strong. It takes a long time for this to take root. So I'm happy to have some questions around this. That might be the best way to do it because with each person it's so specific and some people's tendency to to find a form and go right in and actually use that form to support their practice. Another person has an aversion to committing to anything, especially any kind of repetition where you're going to do this every day, no matter what, or you're going to do this three days a week, one day a week, seven days a week, eight days a week, you're going to do this. So you would know what you need to do. And you, but you may not know it the first few months, few, even few years of what's the best way for you personally to approach this. It tends to get very complicated <clears throat> when we try to figure it out. Um, it may be better, probably is better to just practice and then use the forms that are showing up. This is why after many, many years of practicing in different sanghas, different situations altogether, I have seen that it is very necessary to have very strong forms. My son, Takudo, uh, once said, I think it was a couple of years ago, I don't remember when he first came stumbling back towards uh, this uh, situation, um, looked around and looked at the forums and looked at the, the monks that were here, which he's also been a monk since, I think, 1990, maybe 91, that looked at what, what the schedule was here and says, you can't do this. These, these people are going to burn out. I said, why do you think so? It's just too intense. It's just too much. And I said, uh, no, they won't. And But I didn't bother to explain anymore because he didn't ask me. And I'm not about to lecture uh, my 55-year-old son about anything. He's not, he's not watching right now, I don't think, because he's on a flight to Nepal. Isn't that true? Those of you who keep track of him. So, the reason I could say no, they won't, is I know, I know the way that we um, reinforce that those forms. How do we reinforce them? We don't, because each person here is not treated like a twelve-year-old. They're treated like a an adult, even if they occasionally don't act like one, that they're treated that way so that they have the chance to actually be their own discipline. This is not ancient India, China, Japan, Tibet, where if you look into the history of the way uh, tokus or young monks were trained in Tibet, it was pretty intense. They, were, they had their butts kicked by the older monks in order to what? Discipline them. Not a good idea. A person should, should be respected 
needs to be respected, especially someone who comes this way and wants to train their mind to see the truth based on inspiration around the Buddha, Buddha's teaching, the Buddha Dharma, awakened truth, then we need to provide the form, but enforcing it or making it some kind of a discipline that you have to obey. I had some very early training in that kind of discipline by being in the Marine Corps, which some of you have heard me say. It's pretty intense. Different kind of discipline, very macho, very controlling. And the object there is to control people. You might say otherwise. And it works quite a bit. It's based on fear. Fear of going to the brig and getting locked up. So open or mutual, where we do this together. We don't just have one mafioso at the top who controls everything, but we have really, really strong communication about what's happening with each person. That takes a lot more time than just setting out the orders or the forms and then making sure everybody follows it. It, it takes communication. And what is that? Listening. And what is that? Listening. But in order to listen, the one who uh, who is um, is to be, be listened to has to say something. So you have to say what's happening to you. You have to talk about what's happening to you, what you're going through. We do a fair amount of that here. Still trying to find out what, what is the optimum way of having communication work. This is why we have book studies rather than I come and teach everything or we just are sent off all, all on our own and we're all uh, studying uh, Dan Lusthouse or Bill Waldron or Red Pine or any of the other scholars that we may never even meet. Instead, we take the material and we study it together and we interact, talk about it, ask questions of each other, ask questions of the teacher. We're coming up to a very uh, change in the practice. The way we've been doing Ango is just to do it about four days. And it's, had a, it's uh, been taken more of the form of the arts, sometimes uh, of a uh, opening the eye mind practice, which we will probably continue to do, but do on, on uh, long weekends rather than try to crowd it into Ango or Sashin. So Sashin will probably continue to go eight days thereabouts, but it will happen in April rather than in the time when everybody gets the flu and it's pretty miserable around here. But then the, the entire month of February, which I believe is 28 days this year. Is that true? That entire period is going to be very, very strong form, sitting practice of meditation, which is what we need. We all need to do this. There needs to be a, a big dose of it, maybe several times a year, maybe once a week. We need some kind of a, that's why the block sitting is emphasized or created or encouraged. Sit down for four hours and don't do anything else. Just watch what moves in the mind stream without validating it, refuting it, 
agreeing with it. Don't do anything with it. So the form for that isn't completely settled yet. Jason and I have been looking at that for some time, still are, but that will be sent out pretty quick when we, so you'll have a description of what that is. And then it would be up to you. I mean, your encouragement is do the whole damn thing. Why not one month out of the year? Do the whole thing. It's going to, going to be a lot of sitting practice. The first time I ran into something like that was in uh, 1975 when Trungpa Rinpoche actually created something called a datun, which means to sit for a month. Uh, Yintun means to sit for a day. That was the other thing he devised. And sitting for a month, is that's all it was. Now, if you go and sit, what's called a datun at um, Drala Mountain, just name has changed there recently. It was the Rocky Mountain Dharma Center, then it was Shambhala uh, Mountain Center, and now it's Drala Mountain. If you were to go there and sit the month-long practice there, you wouldn't just sit, you would do a lot of other things too. And I'm not sure what they're doing today, but fairly recently they would have other teachers and people give talks on various things. There would also be a, a whole lot of sitting too, so I'm not taking that away. It's just that the emphasis would not be on sitting, which uh, in uh, this uh, 1975 uh, Datan was, I don't know how many hours, it was uh, it was eight or ten hours, it was probably closer to ten hours a day. And Trungpa Rinpoche had it switched up so you never had any idea when there would be a walking meditation or when there would be a, so you would sit and sit and sit. And then this, the recommendation was you wouldn't go to the restroom unless it was during walking meditation. That way you would get the maximum amount of sitting practice in. And uh, there was always a thing at the beginning where somebody with the rumor would get out. There's one session in here that is five hours long. And that was designed by Rinpoche. So what we do with the block sitting is we say, sit the whole four hours if you can. But it's an open discipline. If you can't, then pay attention to what your body is saying. So rather than try to get the mind to control the body, to hold still, don't move, or in the Zen tradition, they'll come and hit in the Rinzai, they'll hit you with one of these sticks. Even in the Soto Zen tradition, they still may yell at you for moving around. Different kind of discipline about control. If someone's very controlled, then does that mean they're disciplined? Apparently, some people feel that that's the case. Same thing would be happening in, uh, in the Ango. The whole month would be sitting. That's the way it's looking right now. And you'd do the best you could, but you would do it with your body, with your feelings, with your emotions, with your thought patterns, and with your life. We're, we're not in ancient Tibet, uh, Japan. Korea, or China, or India. We're here, right here in the West, with this kind of communica communication with uh, Zoom. So you, even though you're living halfway across the country, you'll be able to participate. You'll be, be able to participate in real, real time by sitting down with people who are sitting down and facing the wall at the same time you are. And the gong will ring at certain times, 
that will be laid out that you'll know about ahead of time, and there'll be long sitting periods. I'm not, I don't do away with walking meditation. I just don't think that when you're sitting and it is your meditation, not this person's or that person's or the person who is striking the gong, your meditation. This is really important. This took decades for me to realize this. Does that make it the truth? No. Do whatever you want to do. But you can consider what I'm saying. You, someone else should not be telling you when to get up and walk and when to sit back down, even though we respectfully do that kind of a, a practice uh, during the eight-day Rohatsu session, especially this year. It's your body, your body-mind complex, which are not separate. You need to decide because your body tells you you need to move this leg. That's not wrong. I had, I'm not going to go into the story about it, but I had to experience that the hard way by applying my stubbornness. I'm not getting up no matter what. My legs fall off. I'm not getting up. That's not a, a good approach to discipline. Although my Marine Corps drill instructor would have been proud of me, probably, because that's the way they do that there. <clears throat> so it's important to respect your body, how your body feels. Just because you're sitting and one person can sit for three hours, maybe without, without moving at all, quite intimidating. You, you know, but if you were to climb inside of their mind, you probably wouldn't be so intimidated because their mind may, may be, look more like a hornet's nest. Whereas another person who's moving and adjusting, they may be fairly calm in terms of their, or fairly um, stable as far as their, what's happening in the mind stream, which isn't necessarily credential, but their body may be giving them a hell of a hard time. They can't sit sitting just for a few minutes and they start to ache or that something starts to hurt. There, there were people in the Shambhala tradition who taught, uh, who were, who, who never had any body pain, who were teachers. And of course, they, they couldn't understand why you would have such a difficult time because it didn't bother them any. They could sit there for an hour or two without moving at all. Shambhala tradition and the Kagyu tradition that um, it was called back in the early 70s. So when I say open, I'm saying it's your, it's up to you. No one is going to come and do this practice that that is is not sincere, and at least not for very long. They will see something in it, they will understand something in it, and that understanding will be a lot more clear if that person is respected for what they're doing with their body and their mind day to day. Just as anyone who's lived in the monastery for any length of time knows that if they don't come to forums, then someone will talk to them, probably at this point, uh, the Sukansu. It could be me, and we'll, I would just ask, what's going on? How are you doing? How, I see you're not at this or this or this, and that we would have a, talk, a conversation about it. And it's possible the person should live somewhere else. That doesn't mean we're kicking anybody else out. We might say, well, what can you do? Say, well, I could, I could come to two book studies a week out of what? 11, I think there is right now. Spread around that you can actually join on Zoom. You don't have to be in the 
Zendo proper. And well, you can't, uh, you know, you're, you're only sitting uh, 45 minutes to an hour a day, something like that. You need to do more than that in the monastery. And so if you do, but if you say, I can't do that, then we would find out well, what's, what's happening, why? And it could be anything from sore knees to any number of things. And you, one might be encouraged to sit in a chair. There's no, the important thing about sitting, and again, this comes from decades of thinking otherwise. The important thing is the stillness part. Even though you might see me sitting here during, as it is meditation, fiddling around or falling asleep or you know, be very careful about what you're evaluating and what you're judging. Because anytime you evaluate anything or judge anything, that's a way of covering up what's happening in your own mind stream. Of not being responsible for your own mind stream. Don't judge. If you do judge, then don't judge that. Double negativity. You don't need it. <clears throat> so I would take this up to even up to and including you. It's time to practice. The, it's a it's a um, it's a nyintan or I'm not a nyintan. I'm getting trapped into Tibetan language. It's an all day sitting a retreat. And but instead you want to go party. Maybe you should. Maybe there's a picnic or maybe there's something going on that you really need to do. So we have to be really careful not to evaluate how somebody else's practice. Just because you can sit there and practice and you hardly miss anything. And somebody else doesn't seem to seems to have big gaps in the time that you see them because you're here all the time. You know who's here. We have Zoom. <clears throat> we can watch people, watch each other. And the, the doan and the doshi and the teacher and the sukansu, the abbot can watch and observe it. Other people can observe what's coming and what's going. You have to be very careful to be responsible for your practice and not overflow onto somebody else while they're not doing what you're doing. I can take some questions now. Please give them to me. I'll do my best. Go ahead. Junshi bowing. Feels like I'm often rigid with myself in terms of the forms. How can I have some creativity in that area? Go the other way. Not to go the other way to get out of the forms. But I don't sit. I think you're serious. I've known you for years. You've lived here for years. So I feel like you're serious about this. But I'm not particularly keeping track of what you're doing. But other people are. I don't need to keep track with, with a whole community of people that are training their mind. Pardon me. Am I missing my No. Well, let me say it bluntly. You're not doing any, you're, you're doing fine. Just keep going. Evaluate. Evaluation just leads in circles of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. They should, they shouldn't, I shouldn't. He's doing this, but I can't do that. Why can't I do that? Maybe I should ha I should make myself, don't make yourself do anything. Don't do what you're told. You heard that teaching very much? Who's telling you that? Do, don't do what you're told. Actually, if you follow that, you're doing what you're told. <laughs> Those darn Zen people. <laughs> so what am I saying there? Not that you shouldn't follow someone's guidelines or follow someone's uh, recommendation on something. But first, you should really look at it and see what, what is that about and what is your intention? 
Now, what does it seem like the other person's intention is to even set up such a thing for you? I think if you got burned out here, and this is a Takodo was a, referring to or a couple of years ago, um, that would be just a misunderstanding of the of the form and what we're doing here. I don't. Does anyone here, for instance, feel pressured from me? Where's the pressure coming from? Mm-hmm. Observe, observe, observe. Find out. Find out. Get to know yourself. This is what this is for. Find out. You're a young. You're a young woman. You have. Lots of time, more, more than likely, you have a lot of time ahead of you. Get to the cushion as much as you can. Get to the book studies so there's some kind of intellectual dynamic going on with Sangha. The, the Dharma that we're studying, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, Trungpa Rinpoche or whether it's Kobanchina Roshi's uh, work or the uh, Lanka, Lanka Patara Sutra, any of the other sutras, Heart Sutra, Diamond Sutra, Samdhi Nirmachana Sutra, study. Study those with Sangha and ask questions. More? Thank you, Bowie. If we are feeling burnt out, is wanting a break, a way of avoiding the forms? There's different ways of looking at it. And I've heard uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said, say something like, one time somebody made a comment on His Holiness the 16th Karmapa. And he was uh, sitting uh, next to an altar and there was a Coke bottle sitting next to him. And, and the, then the, the reportage there in that particular magazine, I don't know whether it's whatever, the Harper's or Time or Life, I don't know what it was, but it says, uh, His Holiness takes a break. <laughs> and Trungpa uh, Repache says, His Holiness never takes a break. He can't take a break. There's nothing there to, to break. So, and you could say that instead of looking like at that, like a break, look at at it as if this is something you need to do. It's choiceless. You need to do this. The ego mind will come in because it starts to feel embarrassed about everyone else is sitting, but you know, you're going to, uh, um, uh, going to the beach or going to Lake Michigan. Would that be a good example of, should I be doing this? Like you're going, aren't you going uh, next weekend to visit your folks? Aren't you guys both going to? Yeah. Of course, you could say, well, also it's New Year's and all that, but it's difficult to put it into words because everyone is so different. Everyone is dealing with a different mind stream, a different way of working with negativity. So I see that's, I feel like that's totally appropriate. Do you feel like it's okay, or do you feel a little guilty about doing that? That's what you need to look at. You're not getting that from me. But if you never came, if you every weekend you were going somewhere else, and you were not attending any book studies or one a month, and you were not uh, you were not meditating in here, and there's several people here that will let me know who's meditating and who's not. I don't even have to ask. All they have to do is have an interview with me and they will tell me. Or not not so much by way of complaint, but because there's more respect than that, but you know, a little bit of 
talk about someone, why is it that that person never really practices very much? Something like that. They don't say that about you. Yes, Bion. Bion, I, I don't think I could do this without the encouragement to, to make it my own, without having a form, without reinforcement. Yes. But there's also a, a fear that arises when approaching making something my own and what is that what is that going into yeah that's uh, that's actual true genuine responsibility the ability to respond in a genuine way to whatever arises including your own health your feeling of how you're how you're feeling and all the other emotions and things that arise in the mind stream that give us a hard time that make us feel like something's wrong we got to correct something we can't do this any longer now, more is that is that here something to not like keep track of but to go into i guess uh, i would yeah i wouldn't go into it too much just if you're sitting a lot, then what you need to look at is going to show up rather than you need to kind of go into it. This is not psychology. That doesn't mean that psychology in some situations is totally necessary. People are not going to do this. Buddhist psychology is quite a bit different than uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or all the other therapies. This doesn't mean that someone who's a, a teaches uh, Buddhism couldn't also be a therapist and work with things in different ways. People have all kinds of issues that are not particularly addressed by meditation practice. Can you say anything more about the, the fear that is something in the realm of genuine responsibility? Yeah, the relationship yeah, the, there? If, I'm, if I'm following you, I would uh, probably just fear the unknown. Like, what what would I get into if that starts to show up? All right, I'm responsible. So that's somewhat somewhat outside of the purview of ego, the self centeredness, because it will it won't do anything unless it understands what it is ahead of time, sir. What does the evaluation and judgment cover up in my mind stream? Uh, probably is covering up the more intuitive part of the consciousness, which is closer to wisdom, might not be actual wisdom, might be, but it may be beginning to see things through your awareness of what this is. You're going to need the concepts and the structures to get to that area. You can't just go to the mountaintop and meditate. Uh, at least my understanding of it is you need to do both. You need you need the intellect. It's called the two wings of the bird. You need both of those, just a way of talking about it. So if things get difficult or challenging, then uh, in your situation, covered up with concepts and ideas and judgments and evaluations. And that's that needs to be seen, not corrected. Because if you try to correct it, well, it just doesn't work. You have to actually see it so that it starts to crack and come apart. That doesn't mean you can't, you no longer can think, but the thinking that you do, it's less about protecting something that isn't threatened in the first place and more about just using a structure to, to understand something in a certain way. So we do when we 
study when we just study the five dharmas uh, of, of the Lanka or the three uh, own beings. Those are structures that help us open up areas uh, of the mind stream that are caught in the in the trap of uh, passion, aggression, ignorance, right and wrong, up and down, path, back and forth, hope and fear. Helps us go into those and take those apart intellectually or conceptually so that there's more more uh, ventilation there so there's a possibility that someone's insight about something can actually actually arise so that you're not hindered by can't be doing that or I need more of this or need or believing your your emotions believing your thoughts don't disbelieve them but just because something arises in your mind stream doesn't make it the truth Does there need to be a willingness for that conceptual cover-up to stay there forever? Sure. Good one. What is that addressing? There aren't two things anywhere. But as long as the mind is embroiled in right and wrong, should be and shouldn't be, got to get rid of this, we got to stop this. That's why I say over and over again, and I'll say it again, it's about awareness. It is not about finding this, getting rid of that. It's about awareness, awareness, awareness. It transcends the Buddha's Dharma. Because the Buddha's Dharma is up to the point. And then there's, of course, a lot of commentary on enlightenment. Go ahead. Can I see the intuition if the conceptual cover-up is active? There, there may be some uh, awareness of the formlessness happening there. There could be some but we tend to grasp onto something that looks like progress or looks like we're getting more insight into the emptiness of phenomena. Anyone else here? Go ahead, Hondo. Hondo Bang, you've often referred to yourself as stubborn. We work with open approach to forms and yet be stubborn in uh, pursuing our intention. I think that's it's very individual. Everyone probably might feel like, like they have a certain amount of stubbornness. My stubbornness was extremely aggressive back in uh, 1980 when I was at that's a seminary at in, uh, um, Lake Louise, Alberta, Alberta, Canada. I just got tired of being, after seven years of meditating and doing a lot of meditating, retreats and doctrines or month-long meditations, and I just got tired of not being able to sit there. And everyone else is, it looked like, probably not, but it looked like everyone else is sitting still but me, and I'm kind of moving this way, and, and now I do it, I move all the time, more than most people. But at that time, it was just, I, I had to find a way to, that's how I felt. So I was just very, very stubborn. And, that, and then I hurt myself, I hurt my knees by, by just making a kind of a pact with myself, I'm not moving no matter how much it hurts. So I'm going to ignore how my body feels, and I damaged my knees, and I've had trouble with them ever since. For three years, I couldn't even sit on the floor. Across. I couldn't sit like this. This would be too painful. So, but I was still young enough. I was in my 
I don't know. It was 39, I think, when that happened. And that's pretty young. So, but I don't feel like I'm addressing the question that you're asking about stubbornness. It seems like there's got to be a, like a middle way. <clears throat> How do you both uh, okay. follow Copen's teaching of observe, not obey, but yet at the same time? So the, the, the way I sometimes say it, I'll say it now because I think it is appropriate, is just return. Return. So just like if you're in the middle of a four-hour block set, and after 35 minutes, you're, you know, your back hurts or you just you feel really restless rather than battle with that and try to not be restless. If restlessness arises in your mind stream, it is important to receive that restlessness. And that rest restlessness may be strong enough that you really need to get up and go out in the hallway. But if you just if you do it with the communication of your body mind together, then you won't overdo anything. But the, but the thinking mind, the processing mind, the judging and evaluating mind will immediately start to chastise you. Because if you shouldn't do that, you should be able to sit there. This is just baloney. But it's something that uh, is uh, all over the place as far as any kind of discipline, especially in uh, Buddhist circles from beginning of time until now. So... If you if you work with that and receive that feeling, then you may get up and you may go out in the kitchen or look out the window for a few minutes. You may make some tea. And you, as you know, you're totally welcome to do that in this particular song, uh, this particular community in Sangha. And if you need to do walking meditation, that's about your practice. It's not everybody doing it all at once because somebody rang the gong. But even though you might need to do it after 35 minutes, no, you have to wait till the 40 minute time limit. Just it's it's a it's about control, and it's mainly because of uh, masculine input there. So you may get up if you're doing it with an open discipline, which is looking at what's happening moment by moment instead of just clamping down. This is what's going to happen for the next um, eight days or whatever, no matter what. Instead, you go into that and and you have respect for yourself and for others, and you allow someone to work with discipline the way that they can. For some people, it's extremely difficult to sit still. I know I'm one of them. But I went into it like I'm going to sit here no matter what. It's painful. And so... Um, if you were to pay attention to your body and not lay a trip on yourself every time you got up because you're such a lazy meditator, but you actually appreciated that, you know, you're coming, you're going to come back. You might even come back just by walking out in the kitchen for 10 or 15 minutes or having some tea or going out into the garden. Of course, you don't want to do it in this weather, but you might find that you, you really do want to meditate. You really are inspired to, to train your mind to see clearly. So why would you stay out in the garden if it's time to sit and you live in a monastery and if you have received a, a precepts and you're, you want to do this, so you would probably come back in. But if you didn't, if you went, uh, went to your wherever you live in the whole monastery uh, um, campus, you might just go to your, your apartment and take a nap. 
but it would be situational. You'd be working with the situation. And if I'm there or involved in it or anybody else that is functioning as the Shuso uh, or the the uh, the Eno, who's in, basically in charge of the what's happening in the Zendo, they all know better than to than to go and chase somebody down. They might communicate. We might say, and if you did that, you would be asked to, if you leave, uh, communicate. I'm going here. You don't have to say, do I have permission to go there? You just say, I'm going to here. I need to lay down. I need some rest. Does anybody ever run into any issue where they had to ask, have, ask permission? If they don't feel good to go lay down? No, you, you're adults. And if you, if you <laughs> have to be deceptive about that, then it's quite funny. And I'm sure you will start laughing at yourself at some point, especially if um, nobody pays attention to your uh, deception. Anyone online have a um, have a um, what are those called? Pomegranate. Mazuku. Mazuku bowing. On the cushion, should there be an intention to have some discipline with the thinking mind? If there's any discipline in that area, it should be to observe and not to comment. But if you do comment, then observe the comment. Always back into the awareness rather than, than proceed necessarily. Go towards it. Receive, receive, receive. The world is going to supply you with all kinds of things to receive. Receive the thoughts. No comment. Receive the emotions, no comment, or no adjustment about that. Just receive it. Just receive it as if it's been served to, as if you just ordered that because you did. You ordered this life. Not It wasn't a being who ordered that. Your fundamental nature brought you into this. This is a like a big school. Um, some of your meditation instructions, the instruction is to return to the body or return to the wall. I find that sometimes I can start maintaining awareness on the wall or the breath or the body. And I can't tell if I'm just avoiding the thinking mind by doing that. Sounds fine because you're aware of what you're doing. It's always about awareness. Never, another, uh, never some kind of awareness. Uh, of what you're aware of, or, uh, you know, doubling back on it or getting some kind of credential out of, out of being more aware than, than your thoughts or more aware than the thinking. So just, just continue to do what you're doing. It won't last. Thank you. Certainly. Further? Go ahead, uh, Isaac. How can I soften uh, by observing power? How can you soften observing? Yeah, it seems kind of controlling at times. Um, that's awareness. That, that will wear out. Maybe not this year. Of course, there's only a few days left. So maybe it will. <laughs> but it will, because it will wear out if you don't do anything with it. If you try to push on it, it will, it will insist. If you try to get rid of it, if it's happening, and you're aware of it, and you're able to ask about it. And you're, how many hours a week do you do sitting meditation? 
uh, three hours a day plus block sitting. Okay. Well, I, I, that's 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 a lot of sitting. And I kind of already knew that, but I wanted since I'm responding to you this way, I already know how much you sit. So, uh, and does everybody else have to sit that much? Not necessarily. People who live in the monastery, uh, there's plenty of available scheduled sitting time, but some people have jobs. Situational. We just do the best we can. Just because somebody lives here, it doesn't mean they're going to be sitting every single moment that is scheduled. Uh, even if they don't have to work at a particular time, they might have other things that are going on in their life. So in your situation, just continue. Continue, continue. Chisho. Chisho Bawang. In your response to Biyun, you're saying sit a lot and then you will be able to figure out how to shape your practice. At least that's what I heard. I didn't so, say figure out. I didn't say figure out. I don't, don't figure anything out. But you can go ahead and talk and I'll see uh, if I can figure out <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> so my question is, uh, do people have to first sit a lot and then uh, let the practice take its shape after that? Wow. I, I wouldn't say that that's always the case. But I would say that that's, uh, for some people, that's what would be the best approach to take, would be to do a lot of sitting and allow the various uh, judgments and evaluations that kind of uh, that pop up out of nowhere that preoccupy our, our afternoon sitting practice or trying to figure this out or think of this or is this right, is this wrong, should I or shouldn't I, um, am I doing this okay, uh, on and on. So I, I think it's a little of, of each. Everyone is so... Is the way I usually say it is everyone is wired so differently. You know, some people are very conceptual, intellectual, structural, and and formal, uh, and actually live that way. They they actually do that with their kitchen silverware when they put things back in. The, is that funny? You know, someone like that. Who is he? <laughs> some people are very very structural. And when they see somebody who's not that way, they just they can't understand like how they can even live and not keep track of everything in a certain, you know, tit for tat way. Keep track of everything. Everything needs to be labeled in, a, in the same place, and it just looks like well, just that's just the way you do things. And other people do not live that way at all. So that is one way of of talking about or saying something about the complete variability of each person's practice, and that's why I feel based on my life as a meditator, is so important. I did not get much help <coughs> situationally from either one of my teachers, but I got the help, exactly the help I needed at the time I needed it. Uh, I would have liked to have had a lot more, uh, but it just didn't show up that way. They were coming out of a different culture, a different way of discipline, a different way of working with uh, the mind stream, and a different way of working with students. And so... That's what I had. But I see it a little bit differently in that I, I feel like it's very important to, to talk to people individually if, if they'll come this way. Some people don't come this way very much. That's up to them. No real requirement. I don't say you have to have so many interviews a, a week or a month or something like that, or even a year. 
it's up to up to you to decide if if you need to do that or you want to do that but but i guess what i'm addressing or trying to address is it's so different with each person and to go back to your uh, question and the response uh, the, the way it was showing up yes you may have to just sit a lot before you come up with uh, more a more understanding about how to work with your particular situational uh, open or or mutual discipline what's complete discipline the way you're talking about it versus the controlling marine corps style so paying attention because you're a meditator you're going to you're going to be going to be much more clear about what's happening in your mind stream it may not be comfortable but you'll be more clear you need to be the one who is in charge of of your practice but you may need to and other people may need to have a very strong form already set up as we have here do you understand the form you live here and you practice forms and you're a fully ordained monk you practice these forms so what what is what is it you really want to know other than you want that question answered i'm i'm just having a hard time seeing um discipline that's complete without that control what is what is it to not have control of the discipline so there may be some control to start with but it's the demand part of it that that gets us wrapped up in passion aggression and ignorance where we start to get a credential for being so very disciplined more disciplined than other people comparing ourselves our own discipline to others is there a weight adjustment like <laughs> is the weight still there uh in the discipline i i can say very sincerely it's all going to be heavy lifting if it comes to the buddha dharma and discipline in the buddha dharma but it needs to be tuned in with your dynamic with your karma with how you got into this human realm in the first place or the second place or the third place it needs to be that so we need to be very respectful to each person and that's what i am endeavoring to do as a teacher is to respect you uh, and i i can of all the people here i can i know all of you fairly well and uh and i i see no two people alike anywhere as far as their discipline or their understanding or how they're going to approach the dharma i see people come and go and come and i see people fasten right down on something for um in one way and then someone else does just does not do that their, their discipline is a different kind their life their practice is, is different it's not going to show up as something that you necessarily necessarily are going going to agree with and that's why i say over and over again don't teach unless you have to if you start teaching out of what you know and what you think and what you evaluate all you're going to do is make problems for people don't do it I don't teach out of what I what I think or what I, I I teach out of what I'm looking at. If you come in front of me, I'm looking at you. It's as if I've never seen you before. I don't have any package of protocols behind me here, including the Buddha's Dharma, of how this should be done or how you should be treated. Just like uh, Kodo uh, has been a student of mine off and on for 20 some years. And it took him forever to come and ask for 
<laughs> what do we call that? Jukai. But I, I never mentioned it to him, although I felt that would be a good thing for him to do. Um, we've talked off and on for, I don't know, it's, didn't I teach you how to meditate some 20 some years ago? I don't know when it was, 20 years ago? Yeah. So everybody needs to be respected where they're at on the path. Everyone's path is completely unique. If you could really see what what is happening in uh, with Kodo or, or David or Jalen or Augie or anybody, it'd be, it'd be almost like they're not even practicing Buddhism because it doesn't align with what you're studying. But it's Buddhism. There's a lot of room for questions there. We're a little bit out of time, but not really. If you have a question, take us into that. I will help you by responding to you out of what I'm looking at, not something I've memorized, and not, not uh, uh, a teacher's seven points of mind training, although I think it's a valuable thing to study. Is there uh, a desire um, behind the discipline Bowing. That, is that enough of a question? It's close. <laughs> a, a desire behind the discipline? Yes. Um, it seems like discipline, there's a, there's a discipline to get it done, but there's a desire behind the discipline to, um, to sit longer for instance um what what is if that's the case what is the um the crossroads between des desire and discipline i think they they work together I, I, the way i think of discipline is just it's a form that you acknowledge that you on some level, you need to train your mind to see clearly, see more clearly. You're, you're aware of your self-deception. You're aware of your circularity. You wouldn't be here unless you had some clarity about the confusion. I'll say it again. You would not be here if you didn't have some clarity about the way in which you're confused. That's called the path. And that's what the Buddha basically did. That's all, all we're doing is doing what he pointed at. And it, but it shows up in just incredibly outrageous variations of how this is done. That, that uh, teaching of the Buddha is so universal, so completely amazing. And so the, the function of the teaching person, as I see it, is to encourage you to find out who you are. And that doesn't mean find out who I think you are. You may have to leave. You may have to go somewhere else. There's no, there's no propaganda here saying that this is the only way you can train your mind. But that being said, I'm very biased about this. And you probably run into that already. Is there a final question? Go ahead. Shodo bowing. When you say that you teach out of what you see, what is it that you see? I see who you are. And I see who you think you are. I'll say it again. I see who you think you are, and I see who you are, and it's not a credential. I don't, I don't have any, I can't show you my badge, or I don't, I don't have any proof of that. 
you come and ask me questions and I respond to them. And if I don't respond to them in a way that is fundamentally helpful to, to you, to your Buddha nature, or to your intelligence, or however you want to characterize it, you're not going to stay here. Go somewhere else. You're still here. What's in it for you? What's in it for me? That's a rhetorical question. The kind you have to answer. Nah, you don't have to answer. So, what do you want? Is there some area, something you want to know about? That's a good question, but you can take it deeper if you rephrase your question. Sure, going. Is what you see more than just teaching situationally? If you don't ask me a question, I'm not likely to say much. It's one of the most difficult things to do here is come up with a talk title. And I just the talk title tonight just came up with, uh, with the last few minutes. Maybe, I don't know, when did I send that to you? Five minutes to eight? That's when I thought of it. I don't know. I was going to come in and do mountains and rivers. Have you asked questions? I try to have a topic if I can. That way it gives us somewhere to, to move around. Whereas if I just do mountains and rivers, although that can be good too, depending on the questions. People ask questions. But I'm teaching out of what I'm looking at. When I say looking, I'm saying seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. I'm not thinking about it like like figuring it out. I'm, I'm The thoughts that arise here are dependently risen, as are yours. You personalize yours. I don't. And if I do, I suffer. So I know about it. Every now and then I get a big reminder. Awakening is not a state of mind. And I make no claims. And anyone that claims has, uh, has a ways to go. Because it isn't anything in particular. When we are personalizing things and suffering because of it, is it is it more about needing to continue to look at that than it is about us doing something incorrectly? Somewhat. Can you paraphrase what you just said? If we see that we're giving ourselves a hard time, do we just need to keep looking at that? Yes. Get, get to know yourself deeply. Just like if you had an unruly child. I mean, there is a, a way uh, that's been said in the past where you, you just hit them. You know, I was in that 1940s and 50s era where that's what is done. Several of us were. We don't do that. We, we look at the negativity that rises in the mind stream. We don't shut it down. We look at it with some curiosity. Watch what it does. Watch how it gets get stronger or weaker. What seems to, to go ahead. Sure, going. What is the curiosity when the negativity is really intense? Necessary. Then you ask me what it was. I said it's necessary. Be very curious about the negativity. Because if, if you if you're curious, then there's some kind of a looking into it, some kind of exploration or beginning to look at the texture of it. But if there's no if there's no curiosity at all about it, then it, we tend to clamp down on blame or, well, it's because, well, if she hadn't said, 
or if they hadn't done, then the, but the pain that is coming up, the difficulty is coming up in our mind stream is your own. It's not yours from the point of view of ownership. It's yours from the point of view of the same thing that created your ears and your eyes and your whole body mind complex. It's also your, your, your karma from past lifetimes would be a way of saying it. It's not necessarily the truth. We don't know if there is past, past lifetimes or not. Trying to bring something in that and that uh, that's situation into relative truth to prove it is a, a waste of time. A lot more important things to work with than that. One of them is meditate. Sure, Bowling. It seems like in my experience, when when something's intense, the last thing the ego wants to be is curious about it. Just, it just wants yeah. to shut down. Is there a way to cut through with the curiosity? Well, you've already you've already talked about it in such a way that it says you're very aware that you're trying to pull out of there. That's also awareness. So I, I would uh, there are techniques that talk about cutting. The Tibetans have the, the Chud practice, which is a kind of cutting practice. There is a t book title of Trungpa's uh, book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. So I think it just means my understanding is just to look at the spiritual materialism, just look at the craziness of our mind that is pushing or pulling or shutting down or moving this way or turning off, just to observe that structure of, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Passion, aggression, and into <laughs> you. Right back at you. <laughs> So it's, it's about, as I've said hundreds of times, millions of times, 20,000 times, it's about the awareness, not what arises in it. What arises in it is going to come and go. The awareness never does anything. And if you, if you realize your true nature, uh, you will never do anything. Things will get done, but there will be no doer. Isn't that a scotch? Doers? <laughs> There won't be any. <laughs> Can't drink in a monastery. <laughs> but you can right down the street. You can. More? No, thank you. Okay, very good. We can close at this point. I think we. Hi, my name is Kozan, and I'm a monk at Sokokoji, where I practice with the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your donations to support our programming of practice, study, and teachings and to fund scholarships that help our full-time practice residents with tuition and living expenses. Thank you for helping our Sangha.